going to go anywhere for them, that we were going to be there day in and day out. Um, workers were not going to cross the picket line, and eventually the um, the Port of Oakland ordered the Zim-operated volants to, uh, to leave the terminal. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. And I'm Asa Winstanley. Welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. For this episode, we wanted to focus on several direct actions that human rights advocates have been engaged in, especially since the attacks on Gaza in May. We're speaking with activists in the San Francisco Bay Area and Seattle about the Block the Boat actions, and in Chicago, where activists participated in a sit-in at the office of Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky. I will feature a couple of short video interviews with members of Palestine Action in the UK who occupied the roof of an Israeli arms manufacturer. But first, let's go to the interview with Wasim Hajj and Aisha Mansour talking about Block the Boat. We go to the west coast of the US and Canada, where for weeks, activists and labor organizers have been working hand in hand with dock workers and longshoremen unions to prevent the docking or unloading of cargo from vessels owned by the Israeli Zim shipping line. In early June, hundreds of activists and dock workers responded to an international call to action and successfully prevented an Israel-owned vessel from unloading its cargo at the Port of Oakland here in California. Protesters had prevented the ship from docking at Oakland for more than two weeks after its scheduled arrival date. The vessel ostensibly attempted to avoid the picket line. Jewish Voice for Peace tweeted, quote, by refusing to unload Israeli cargo, Oakland workers are throwing a wrench in the Israeli economy and putting pressure on Israeli apartheid. Each day the Zim ship can't unload, the largest Israeli shipping company loses millions of dollars. Similar actions have been taken up and down the West Coast, including in Seattle, Washington, and in British Columbia. In Seattle on June 17th, 10 protesters were arrested for attempting to block a Zim ship. Let's get right into it. Joining us to talk about the Block the Boat actions over the last few weeks is Wasim Hajj of the Arab Resource and Organizing Center here in the Bay Area. AROC has been at the forefront of coordinating and organizing the direct actions. Also with us is Aisha Mansour of Palestiniat up in Seattle. Thank you so much, Wasim and Aisha. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. So Aisha, I want to start with you. Um, Seattle City Council members were in support of the Block the Boat protest, some of them at least, um, and had signed a statement of support. And at the protest itself, um, activists were attacked and arrested by cops. Can you talk about what happened? Yeah, so um, after about five days of the Zim San Diego occupying a birth space at Terminal 18 in the Port of Seattle, uh, city council members, at least three and two representatives from Washington state as a whole, asked the mayor to send the Zim San Diego back. Um, and I should say also 11 protesters were actually arrested, not 10. Thanks for that clarification. Yes. Talk about the protest itself. Um, what happened when protesters were arrested? Um, and, and kind of explain what, what happened at that protest. Yeah, so on June 17th, we organized our second community picket. This was after multiple folks had asked the Zim San Diego to leave and out of protest, they decided to stay. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Um, 
And we, you know, nonviolently organized an action. There were two community picket lines basically walking in a circle and the police decided to escalate and um, attacked 11 protesters and violently arrested them. One person was arrested under a bicycle um, and he's still facing, you know, he's still going to the doctor and trying to get medical care for that, so. Unbelievable. Um, and I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of um, the WTO protests, <laughs> the Battle of Seattle, where people were protesting against, you know, the flow of capital um, and, and, you know, these large corporations um, that, that run, you know, the country and, and, and imperialist designs on the rest of the world, um, and they were attacked and brutalized by cops. Um, what were the protesters released um, from arrest? What's, what's happened since then? Yeah, by the morning, they were all released. No charges have been filed. And right now we're deciding whether we want to publicly put pressure on the city to drop those charges or not. Um, so far for the past year, most protesters haven't had charges filed against them. So if this does happen, then that would be a precedent for the way that Seattle responds to Palestinians and our organizing. But um, as a whole, like the message was clear, right? Like Seattle community members stood in solidarity with Palestinians time and time again, and they were willing to risk their lives for it up against police brutality. And the only way that the Zim ship was gonna be unloaded on June 17th was through police brutality. Uh, Wasim, I wanna bring you in. Uh, talk about the initial direct action that happened here in Oakland uh, in early June. It was monumental to actually watch this enormous cargo vessel being forced to pull out of the Oakland port with its load intact after not being able to dock for more than two weeks. Um, talk about the significance of this victory and how it set the stage for other protests we've seen in, in the weeks since uh, up and down the California um, you know, and in Washington and Canadian coast. Yeah, so the most recent victory that happened in early June, it was June, uh, June 4th was the day, I believe, um, comes seven years after uh, Iraq and community allies blocked uh, an Israeli Zim ship in 2014. And since then, no Israeli Zim ship had uh, returned to the Port of Oakland. Uh, until 2021, actually, when Zim had some restructuring internally, they were going through a lot of um, uh, financial troubles, and they opened up a new e-commerce line, um, which was using uh, uh, commerce between uh, the U.S. and China through Alibaba and Amazon and a couple other uh, digital commerce um, vendors to, for the first time since 2014, bring Zim back to Oakland or attempt to bring Zim back to Oakland. We mobilized our communities. And a Zim-operated vessel called the Volence um, was originally scheduled to dock in Oakland in late May, went down to LA, which we suspect is because they uh, understood what was waiting for them uh, if they tried to dock, and then returned uh, and was delayed following our announcement to mobilize for about uh, 10 days um, out in the Bay, out in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, and in the meantime, what had ended up happening while they were delayed was we understood this as a, as a moment of, um, of tremendous opportunity as well as vulnerability for the rank and file workers with the ILW Local 10. There are longshore 
uh, our, our Longshoremen's Union that, that we understood as being sort of a critical part in any successful direct action blocking of Zim. We wanted to give them uh, international support. So we put out an international call to action June 2nd to June 9th, uh, calling for uh, community pickets and solidarity actions uh, targeting Israeli-operated uh, um, ships coming from the from this company, Zim, as well as other uh, companies that are on the BDS list. So for example, in Houston, they did something um, targeting Caterpillar, targeting Raytheon um, as well. Um, and we wanted to, to show the workers in the ILW Local 10 and, and port workers all around the West Coast that, hey, look, this is if you're going to go, uh, if you're going to go and and stand with us on this and not cross our picket line, you have the whole world behind us. You have organized labor from here to New York. We have organized labor from here all around the Bay, all the way in in Greece, in Italy, in South Africa, most especially. It was a huge honor. We were endorsed by COSATU, which is the Congress of South African Trade Unions, which represents over 1.8 um, million workers in South Africa, and we understand you know, the blocking of Zim ships is being intimately tied to this history of, of uh, internationalist solidarity against apartheid, against ethnic cleansing, um, where uh, refusal to unload uh, cargo ships was, was a huge part of the South African boycott campaign. We understand our, our BDS and pro-Palestine boycotts as, as following in that same internationalist tradition. So on June 4th, when the ship docked and and uh we had a community picket it was six gates that we had to block um no worker crossed the picket line no trucker crossed the picket line um rank and file members of the ilwu uh, were standing by and and did not cross and the ship was not worked in a morning shift and in the afternoon shift uh they finally relented they understood that this wasn't going to go anywhere for them that we were going to be there day in and day out um, workers were not going to cross the picket line, and eventually the um, the Port of Oakland ordered the Zim-operated Volants to uh, to leave the terminal. And it was just super beautiful moment. I was doing some social media stuff the day of, and my friend next to me like screamed, and I was like, "What?" And I turned, and the ship was like swiveling around. So we like climbed on top yeah. of a truck <laughs> to get the video. And it was it was um, it was just it was super cool to get to see it go like with our own eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And we don't want to forget uh, the ports uh, in Houston and on the East Coast, uh, New York and New Jersey ports, I, I believe also Philadelphia um, were involved. Um, yeah, Aisha, can you talk a little bit about how the significance of this very internationalist um, direct action that has actual material effects on Israeli apartheid and that flow of capital um, you know, to, to sustain, um, you know, that the apartheid state. Um, talk about, yeah, how, how it was, what it was like being a part of this um, international direct action. Yeah, it's, it's been beautiful to see in Seattle. Uh, so, you know, as we know, Zim is a publicly owned Israeli company and they were instrumental in bringing settlers to Palestine and actually establishing the state of Israel. So, um, and, and you know, that displaced my family and my ancestors and, and now they export weaponry all over the world. So that was the way that we framed it within Seattle. And 
it's it's had an impact, right? Recently, the Seattle Education Association passed a resolution endorsing BDS and the campaign to end the deadly exchange, which would stop police trainings by the Israeli occupation forces, which was unprecedented. No one saw that coming in Seattle. Um, we also had, you know, multiple city council members now willing to talk about BDS and showing up at our protest and Palestinians organized a rally before Block the Bow and it was the largest uh, pro-Palestinian rally that Seattle has ever seen. So the tide is definitely changing up here. And, and I think so much of that has to do with BDS as a whole, but Block the Boat more specifically. Mosim, do we have any calculation or like a ballpark figure for how much, how many millions of dollars uh, these direct actions actually cost uh, the Israelism shipping company? Unfortunately, that sort of thing at this moment is really hard to measure and it's really hard to quantify. This depends on things like, you know, fuel costs on the day to day, how much they are spending on their crew. These things are pretty opaque um, to us at this moment. And it's not going to be, I think, until we can see some financial records, internal records from Zim. They're, in his, they're a publicly traded company. So those records are going to be are going to be publicly available eventually that might give us a clue as to what the actual uh, numerical impact was um i think strategically what, what we are what we've done here is we've we've set ourselves up for more actions against him and for other uh, other places to to uh, take direct action against this this shipping company um we've revealed sort of a pressure points um in their in their whole you know global logistics operation where um, activists and, and BDS organizers around, around the world can say, well, that is a viable target. This is a viable strategy for targeting them. Um, and, and especially, you know, putting on as, as a BDS sort of campaign, the goal is to not just, you know, is not to just play whack-a-mole with Zim ships, but to, you know, make companies who are looking at, uh, at doing business with Zim take a second look and say, well, is this really worth it to us? And I think that um, over the long term, that sort of is going to make the make or break our what what strategic impact on this on this um, apartheid profiteering company is going to be. Yeah, um, and um, kind of just in in general, I mean, you know, for for decades, uh, the U.S. and of course corporations have been working very hard to break. Uh, labor union strength and power and, you know, pit workers against each other and split unions. Um, the ILWU seems like it's kind of one of the last, you know, real uh, solidarity um, focused unions um, where, where workers, you know, one member of, you know, the ILWU somewhere is is in solidarity with with other dock workers um, not just you know locally but nationally and then internationally um can can you talk a little bit about how important it is to you know do these like just the the work of organizing workers and activists um and and how you see that going forward i think that the one, one thing that i think on the left we sort of miss um we underestimate is the sort of the embeddedness of organized labor within a community and the relationships therefore that community organizations have with organized labor. 
Um, I think one thing that's really critical to, to keep in mind here is that we're not only understanding labor as a, as a strategic um, as a strategic means to an end, but as a, as a as as working people as being and their liberation as the ends to itself, right? So the Palestine and the liberation of Palestine is a workers' issue, and it's it's a it's a working class people that is oppressed by a bourgeois capitalist state, and that's something we have to keep in mind as well as that these workers and and the people that we're we're calling on to take these tremendous risks need support. And they need defense, and they, and and their movements and their livelihood is dependent on the communities that they're embedded in defending them at all costs, helping them build power, helping them execute power. Um, there is currently a lot of legislation that you know, um, for all the things we can criticize Biden for in his administration, which of which there, are, you know, myriad. Um, there's a there's some pretty good list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially on Palestine, right? Yeah. But there's a uh, there's a, a pretty good labor package, the Pro Act, and and it's and it all of its um, associated legislation that's that's going to do a lot, I think, to provide um, some cover for labor organizers, especially those who are sitting in like these extremely, um, you know, right wing, you know, authoritarian, you know, Republican run states where it's basically like a one party system and and organized labor is under constant attack, constantly um, weakened in their bargaining power and their ability to organize. I do want to ask you a little bit about Palestiniat and um, its role in local organizing in, in Seattle um, and, you know, how how people are, are you know, coming together um, in, in cities like Seattle uh, or in Oakland and working with, you know, working class communities um, and 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 you know how how are people able to center Palestine right now? Yeah, well, Palestinian has been around a lot longer than I think that we say it has. Um, we were formally created about a year ago after our Day of Rage protest, um, and we're a grassroots feminist collective. We were born simultaneously with the Palestinian feminist collective, but. Seattle, we've been mostly focused on the End the Deadly Exchange campaign, and we've been involved with ILPS. So we have a really strong feminist and anti-imperialist analysis, and we're centering workers in that, and we're centering women in that, and queer people in that. Um, so most of our work so far has been around Block the Boat, and the Deadly Exchange, BDS on campuses. We've, we've been tapped into Seattle University and Western Washington University and the University of Washington. Um, but Recently, we've grown quite a bit, and so we'll see what comes in the next year or so, but for right now, we're pretty at capacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot that you've taken under. <laughs> um, finally, uh, Wasim, how, what's the next step, um, you know, after the, the Zim whack-a-mole? Um, what's the next step in, in terms of organizing and, and really trying, you know, um, I mean, in 2014, as you said, um, you know, Zim was was not allowed to to dock. They could not dock at Oakland, and they tried again. Does this mean that you know, hopefully, they will stop trying altogether? Um, yeah. What's what's the next step here? Well, um, it's unclear to us whether Zim is coming back to Oakland. Um, the Central China e-commerce express line that the Volens was a part of has now been removed from their. Uh, 
their website, which is, it was a really cool moment where this was even before we did the, the action on the Volens. It's unclear if they're doing that as a way to um, prevent us from tracking their ships or if it's a just a, an admission of defeat where they're not going to be returning to Oakland. Um, in terms of next steps for us, I think it really comes down to, um, you know, assessing, uh, you know, strategic, uh, you know, wins um, where we can improve and making relationships with organizations like Philistinette, um, you know, places, uh, people like uh, Within Our Lifetime in, in New York, uh, Palestine Youth Movement, USPCN, all around the country and, and, and sort of uh, developing people's skills and, and, and organizing with labor, getting relationships with organized labor, building that solidarity, building this shared struggle, this shared mutual defense uh, up, and then we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what we can do. And uh, if people want to get in touch with AROC and um, join up with some of your actions, how can they do that? Uh, if people want to get involved with AROC or join up, um, you can message us at info at araborganizing.org, uh, info at A-R-A-B-O-R-G-A-N-I-Z-I-N-G dot O-R-G. <laughs> um, and you can find us on uh, Twitter as well um, at uh, twitter.com slash AROC Bay Area all one word, A-R-O-C, Bay Area. And we are on Instagram also um, with the same tag. It's A-R-O-C underscore Bay Area on Instagram. Um, yeah. And Aisha, how can people get in touch and link up with Felestiniat? DM us on Twitter or on Instagram will respond. So especially if you're in the Seattle area, we would love to work with you. Wonderful. And what's your handle once again? Palestiniat. One word. Wonderful. Aisha Mansour and Wasim Hajj, thank you so much for all the work that you're both doing. And um, you're always welcome on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Laura. Up next, we feature a couple of short interviews with two members of Palestine Action in the UK, conducted by the Electronic Intifada's contributor, Mohammed Al-Mazi in late May. Now, Palestine Action is a relatively new group which has been working to take direct action to go beyond demonstrations or to provide a different role uh, from demonstrations and campaigning, a different form of campaigning, direct action. So they've been, their usual strategy is to target Israeli arms manufacturers who are in the UK by shutting down their factories in various ways, by occupying their rooftops, um, spraying red paint on them to represent the blood of Palestinians. Uh, and they've been targeting most of all Elbit, the major Israeli arms manufacturer, it's Israel's largest private arms manufacturer which has, I believe it's 10 different sites, uh, factories and offices in the UK. And so they've been, uh, especially since the Israeli assault on the Gaza Strip in May, they've been really uh, stepping up their campaigns and they've been having lots of people join them and more and more people have been joining them uh, and local people have been supporting them, you know, demonstrating outside the factories in support of the activists on the rooftops and things like that. So they've been, causing a lot of waves. 
lot of uh, good trouble. Yeah. Um, let's go to those interviews conducted by Mohammed El Mazi. My name is Fahad Ulusu, and um, I was in Leicester last week in order to take over the roof of one of UAV tactical manufacturer drone army drone company in Leicester. Um, yeah, that's that's where I was last week. And uh, why why did you do that? Mainly because of the conflict right now between Israel and Gaza. Um, watching it on on a daily basis on the news and the newspaper just made me really uh, alarmed and concerned about what's going on and just uh, give me a nudge about about doing something about it instead of just being a bystander. And uh, you lasted six days. I was there six days on top of the roof. Uh, we came down on Tuesday, correct. And how did you come down? Uh, well, the um, UK removal, the UK removal team just took us down. There, there's the protest removal team. Protest removal team. That's that's right. The protest removal team just took us all down, uh, took us, both of us down, and then uh, we were put into custody in Leicester Police Station, Houston Street Police Station. And uh, I understand that as the police were trying to remove you, there were lots of supporters outside uh, trying to stop them. Can you just discuss that? Uh, all I can see was just a crowd in front of uh, the, the gate trying to block the entrance. Um, the police uh, were... Uh, reassuring me that nothing's going to happen to me. They were, they, they were thinking that the crowd will probably hijack or kidnap me. But um, I was more worried about their safety than mine, to be honest. I knew I was safe. Uh, but we stood for at least four, four hours by the gate. We couldn't leave the location because of the resistance of the crowd, which was, to me, just an act of love and celebration rather than um, than a protest. I'm Richard Barnard, co-founder of Palestine Action. Today I was in court for trumped up fictitious charges of blackmail. Apparently, uh, according to the British police and state, it was a blackmail against LaSalle Investment Management, who are a property management company who own premises and rent them are they the landlords of Elbit Systems, the evil Israeli um, arms manufacturer that, as we've seen in this past week, has been occupied twice by Palestine Action. Uh, these charges are completely fictitious. I got the papers today. Uh, my legal team are kind of virtually laughing about how ridiculous they are relating to a video that was published of me calling um, on a, for a hunger strike outside their offices. Um, and associated actions that have been done by people in various places against this company to ask them or to force them to evict Elbit Systems. Uh, interestingly, in court, um, the prosecution and the magistrates have taken off all my bail conditions. So the police put strict bail conditions on me on a curfew. Um, I think the, the magistrates and even the prosecution think this was ridiculous, bearing in mind the, the fictitious nature of the charges, and therefore I'm released on unconditional bail. I have no conditions left on me. Obviously, I will continue to fight these charges, and if anything, I expect them to be dropped by the police because they're just further evidence 
of their underhand way of colluding with the Israeli apartheid regime, probably through the instruments of the British government that, as we know, has been party to the Israeli apartheid regime and in fact started it by giving away the Palestinians' land and the Balfour Agreement. And therefore, we will continue to fight back as Palestine Action. Elbit Systems are our main principal target, being an arms company that literally makes drones. And as we saw this week in Leicester, we actually saw a drone that was probably used in Gaza recently. And we will continue to shut these factories down until we end their business here and they leave these shores and we contribute to the bringing down of the Israeli apartheid regime. We'll then go on to other companies. And I just call on all people to continue to join Palestine Action, continue to take action against this evil company that produces these evil weapons on our doorsteps. So my trial has been referred to Snaresbrook Crown Court on the 28th of June when I will enter a plea and my plea will be not guilty. Um, and there then there's some indication that this trial will try to be joined to a wider conspiracy that I've been charged with along with other members of Palestine Action. And we will vigorously defend ourselves because we know that what we did is the right thing. To damage, to disrupt the business of this evil company is the right and moral thing to do. Whatever the law may say, we don't think of ourselves as criminals. We think of ourselves as dismantling the war machine and the Israeli apartheid machine from where it started here. And finally, we go to Chicago, where activists with the U.S.-Palestinian Community Network engaged in a sit-in protest at the offices of Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky. First up is a short video about the action, and then we'll go to the interview I did recently with Hussam Marajda of USPCN. There is a bill in Congress called H.R. 2590, the Palestinian Children and Families Act. This bill would do the bare minimum of seeking oversight on the unconditional aid that we give to Israel every single year. It has been signed on by four members of the Illinois delegation. Representative Chewy Garcia, Congresswoman Marie Newman, Bobby Rutsch, and Danny Davis. If you notice, a so-called Illinois progressive is missing from that list. Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky who considers herself a progressive, has been embarrassingly silent on the torture and imprisonment of Palestinian children, which is what USPCN and our allies held a sit-in at her office yesterday. And at least co-sponsored that bill. On one bill and ignored all the work that I have done to condemn the um, nation of Israel and the, and the things that it has done. What else is there, Congresswoman? There hasn't been there hasn't been any legislation. We finally have some legislation that has a little bit of support. Congresswoman, I know all of your friends in Congress, and I know all of your friends in Chicago, and that's why we're telling you that we've given you a pass for way too long. So what you should do is you should talk to Chewy, and you should talk to Marie, and you should talk to Bobby, and you should talk to Danny, and you should ask them why they signed it and why you're refusing to sign it. And we have many, many representatives right here in the state of Illinois that have still not signed on. Bill Foster, Sean Kasten, and Jan Schakowsky. So I am encouraging all of you, call your members of Congress, and tell them to support HR 2590. 
and I'm joined today by Hussam Marajda. He's with the U.S. Palestinian Community Network in Chicago. Hussam, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, truly an honor to be on EI. Thank you. Um, so you were uh, you took part in a sit-in at Representative uh, Janet Schakowsky's office um, in early June. Um, talk about that sit-in. Uh, tell us why you took that action and um, and what you were demanding from from this congressperson. Yeah, so uh, U.S. Uh, Palestinian Community Network or, or USPCN, we um, we led uh, you know a sit-in at, at Jen Schakowsky's office. She's a U.S. rep for I think about three decades now. There's about twenty to twenty-five of us, um, mostly Arabs, but We've, we've had allies from the Black Liberation Movement, from the Immigrant Rights Movement. We had student groups and, uh, uh, you know, like Freedom Road Socialist Organization. Uh, so we had some allies with us as well. Uh, we we went in, you know, we we went inside. Actually, they just um, they were remote until this week. So this is mm -hmm. the first week they're back in the office. Um, and we went inside and and we sat you know, on the floor and we we demanded to speak to the congresswoman. Um, and we were told that, you know, she's in a committee meeting. We knew she was in DC. So, uh, but we were told that she's in a committee hearing, uh, sorry, a committee meeting and, and she cannot speak. So we said, okay, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait until she's available. Um, and we started chanting. Um, and to our surprise, in five minutes, less than five minutes, they got her on the phone. Uh, so, you know, I thought we were like, you, you know, we thought you said she's she's not available, but she's on the phone in five minutes. So um, Hatim Abudeya, who is the national chair of, of USPCN and a member of USPCN in Chicago, um, spoke to her on the phone and explained to her why we're here. Um, and we were demanding that she supports and signs on to HR 2590, the, the Palestinian Children and Families Act, uh, which will condition aid to Israel as long as they're imprisoning and torturing children and annexing you know, Palestinian land. Um, she refused to commit at all. So she was instead just, you know, talking about how she previously criticized the state of Israel, how she like boycotted, you know, Netanyahu. And so we said, these are like symbolic stances and you're, you have not taken any real like tangible stances. And there are five members of the Illinois delegation who have signed on to this bill. And so you claim to be a progressive. Um, why aren't you signing on? So that that was our that was our demand for her to, to sign on to. That's great, um, mm -hmm. and of course the bill you're talking about is uh, uh, authored co-authored by Betty McCollum of Minnesota, um, right. and you know it's 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 interesting because Betty McCollum isn't necessarily one of the most progressive, you know, members of Congress. Um, she's she's definitely you know taken this 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 um, pretty you know, th this good uh, and correct stance on uh, Israeli crimes against Palestinians. Mm -hmm. um, but these other members of Congress who, you know, who, who say that they're progressive, um, but then completely ignore Palestine, um, you know, how, how, does you, how does USPCN and other activists in the coalition, um, you know, what, why is it so important to pressure uh, members of Congress like Schakowsky, um, you know, to, to take a stand where, where they haven't before. Yeah. Um, you, you know, she, 
she has gotten like you know Jan has gotten a pass from us for um on Palestine for years right because she's relatively good on other issues we care about also right our, we don't like live single issue lives and single issue struggles and so uh, but our, our sittings, you know, the sitting we had is just the first, right, in a series of escalation. And so it's important to, to continue to target her um, because, like, enough is enough. Like, you know, Israel is escalating. Uh, the narrative is changing. And so why aren't you, you know, like, if you claim to be a progressive and you say, you know, I stand for this and I stand for this. And she stands for a lot of good stuff, good issues and good causes. But, like. And Palestine, she's like silent always and, um, you know, has done anything. And so it's, you know, if if to get somebody like her, of course, um, very, you know, she's been in, in Congress for a long time. Uh, she, you know, she has some influence and to get someone like her to sign on to it is, is historic, right? And so uh, 24 people already co-sponsored it. And so what is stopping others from doing it, right? And, and, and pressuring them in the time where you know, like, is enough is enough. Like the 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 whole world is starting to 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 see the the the, the real Israel. The even like the media is shifting their stances. The 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 mainstream media is even shifting their stances on on on, on Israel. And and they are now like, wow, you know, maybe Israel is out of control. And so like, when all these uh, you know, even then you have the squad and you have different you know progressive. Um, um, you know, uh, Congress people and previous, you know, presidential candidates, all speaking up. So, what's stopping you from not only speaking up but actually signing on to legislation? Like, there hasn't been any legislation before until now, and so this is like the bare minimum to say, you know, what I am against torture of Palestinian children. I am against the imprisoning of Palestinian children. Like, that's very, very minimum. I think that like it's a universal agreement that we all can agree on that like children should not be imprisoned and should not be tortured and so what's what does that say about them if they're not supporting that or signing on to it you know right right um talk about how this kind of direct action fits within the broader political activism lens like the block the boat protests and other grassroots moves um you know the, as as the narrative is sort of shifting as you said um so is the you know the growth of the bbs movement um worldwide can you talk about why this kind of action is so so important yeah of course um our, our chapter uh in the bay area ha has you know is part of the block the boat coalition and and that inspired us to kind of think about like some of these advanced actions you know in different cities here in chicago and we took a little bit part of it in detroit as well the, the block the boat but uh you know the the strategy here to, to pass HR 2590, right? And it was led on on an organizational level by Defense uh, Defense of Children International in Palestine, right? American Friends Services Committee, and they want to move Congress people. And so what we can provide as USBCN is we can help diversify the tactics, right? The strategy is to pass it and the tactic can be different. And so for us, um, applying different kinds of pressure that you know maybe somebody like Shakowski and others might not expect right it's sometimes it's protest and sometimes it's uh you know direct actions and civil disobedience sometimes it's raising awareness by like dropping banners or like having an led truck for example drive around the city which these things we also did this past week we, we actually dropped three banners in chicago one of them you know was targeting Shakowski in her district as well so um it's an escalation of tactics right um 
the movement is making it very, very clear to Shakowski, right, and others that like we were gonna we're gonna hold you accountable for your silence. Like the time, like you no longer can be silent without, you know, without uh, consequences, without getting pressure for us, right? You you don't get to be in a position of power, claim you're a progressive. Um, and, and stay silent as Israel continues, you know, the mass killings, the ethnic cleansing um, and imprisonment of, of, of Palestinians and an entire population. And so you, you don't get to be in a position of power without being held accountable by, you know, by your constituents and community members and community leaders, right? Enough is enough. And, you know, Israel is, like I said, Israel is escalating and yeah. we have no other choice but to do the same. You know, there, there's, Sheikh Jarrah, the ethnic cleansing there is still happening in, in Sidwan and 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 you know, and we we kind of kind of you know got out okay now we got we can't get you know ten thousand people in the streets you know anymore but we could do other things that you know continue to put pressure and so these actions like block the boat are very and the, and the sit-ins that we did and other die-ins and they're confrontational right and that's what makes them really really critical um, and important because they make more noise. And they make more, you know, they make more people and people in power uncomfortable. And so, we've been patient, <laughs> um, and we were, you know, and and we've seen that, you know, being patient with with Shakowski and giving her the the benefit of the doubt doesn't work majority of the time. And so, you know, um, sometimes these actions will stop, you know, the business business as usual. And so, us being patient is not going to work. We're going to go so you know do not something else that put more pressure on you. And and so, the What's beautiful about BDS, uh, uh, Block the Boat, and, and is that they directly, like BDS in, in general, and, and you know, Block the Boat in particular, is that they directly hurt the pockets of those who are profiting from the occupation. Right? It hits them where it hurts most. Um, and and similarly, having a sit-in at a representative's office, for example, also says no business as usual. It interrupts the daily work of the politicians, of their staff. Uh, and forces them to speak to you, forces them to hear you, and to make them aware that hey, we are here, we're not going away. You know what I mean? And I don't know if you've seen the the video, uh, and I encourage everyone to go and see it. It's on USPCN's Facebook page, the live video. And there was at some point where we're chanting, and her staff was complaining that she couldn't answer the phone and she couldn't hear the phone. And then one of our members, uh, Mohammed, said, "There's no business as usual. You know, there's you can you know you don't get to just like." complain about your phone calls when there's people being tortured and people being killed as we speak. So that was a really powerful yeah. moment that we had there. Yeah, and we'll link to uh, the, the full video. We're showing excerpts now, but uh, we'll link to the full video um, on the podcast post that accompanies this. Um, finally, Hussam, um, how can activists in Chicago and around the US join in these kinds of actions? Um, and what advice do you have for other activist groups who want to challenge their representative stance on Palestinian rights? Yeah, uh, um, I I think it's always a good time to join a Palestinian and Arab organization like USBCN, right? And if in, if you're not Arab, you could become a friend of USBCN. We have that option, right? We have active active chapters in in eight major states and members and, and two dozen others, right? Um, Go to our website, visit visit our social media. You know, uh, reach out to us. You know, let us know if you know if you'd like to get involved, if you'd like to become a general member, and stuff like that, right? Especially now, like after an uprising, um, 
you know, we, we, that we've, um, you know, it's a really good time to, to continue these pressures and continue to device, diversify our tactics and, 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 you know, put more pressures on, on people like Shakowski and others. And so, um, you know, if, if you're not part of, 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 of an organization, if you'd like to join uh, USBCN, you know, reach out to us, let us know. Um, there's going to be, you know, like, this is like, after uprising, it, it's like, okay, you know, when another uprising, everyone is on the streets, everyone is pumped, everyone wants to do something, everyone wants to do, but like the, the challenging part is the organizing that starts after that, right? And so it's really, you know, it's really the ugly kind of, we call it the ugly part of organizing. It's not the, the sexy and attractive one uh, type of organizing that we see online. This is the tough one, right? This is the all right, let's let's build campaigns, right? Let's let's go into our community. Let's um, you know, let's let's start like building our our base and, and developing leaders in our community that who are going to continue uh, fighting uh, and and carrying the fight onward, you know. And and there's this is the best time. So I you know I was a student. I was a I was a just finished my freshman year of college in 2014. Uh, so the summer of 2014 was my, the end, and then 2014 in the fall, we, I returned to school. This was after the Gaza, you know, the bombing of Gaza of 2014. The, the students for Justice in Palestine chapters, for example, were, were like the, 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 the numbers of members spiked. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of like, you know, divestment campaigns. There was a lot of uh, uh, sanctions campaign, uh, not sanctions, uh, boycott campaigns on campuses and beyond. And so um, I kind of expect to see the same here and not only on campus, but everywhere, right? And so there's going to be a lot of new BDS campaigns. There's going to be a lot of new, you know, community-based campaigns and, and, and you know, make, start a campaign. You know, that's my advice to other groups. If, if you don't have a campaign, start a campaign. Uh, you can literally, you know, do it anywhere in, in, in the country and you can find somebody to target. Um, and if you don't want to start a campaign or you can't, you could always join a campaign like HR2590. You know, it's, it is the best time now because you got to hit the iron while it's hot, you know, yeah. like we say. So it's historic. This legislation is historic and 24 people are signing on to it. We, you know, it's very, is really unprecedented. And, and so that, you know, if we can get, much more votes and much more support for it. It will change the narrative. It will change the way that we talk about Israel and it will also cut aid to Israel. So yeah, yeah, yeah. material benefits to, to not exactly. just, you know, changing the narrative. Um, exactly. Hussam Marajda, you're with the U.S. Palestinian Community Network, USPCN. Thank you so much for all that you do and for being there and for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me thank you thanks for watching this video please subscribe to our youtube channel hit like leave a comment these engagements help us with the youtube algorithm and it helps us to get around silicon valley censorship as much as possible it does make a difference you can also support our journalism by going to electronicintifada.net and clicking on donate now thank you